0: You've probably seen their ads. Breathe in and know that vaping nicotine can actually increase feelings of stress. The Truth Initiative is America's largest nonprofit public health organization committed to making tobacco use and nicotine addiction a thing of the past. Experts credit it for helping significantly reduce teen cigarette use in the last 20 years. What we've also seen
1: since Juul ignited this is that these products have become more and more addictive. What Juul did is introduced an innovation using these nicotine salts, which um, make uh, uh, the, the nicotine much easier to inhale. Our guest
2: is Robin Covell. Truth's President, a nonprofit that now is facing new challenges because of vaping and the tobacco industry's evolving tactics. And this is Conversations on Healthcare.
0: Well, welcome Robin Koval to uh, Conversations on Healthcare.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, you know, you and your allies are celebrating a lot of victories right now in New York and California and several other states reached a settlement worth nearly a half a billion dollars against e-cigarette maker uh, Juul Labs. Our attorney, General Tong, here in Connecticut, led one of the investigations and multi-state negotiations as well. Uh, The states had accused the company of illegal advertising and marketing uh, of teens. Maybe you could tell our listeners what exactly the company was doing.
1: Well, you know, in this case, as well as in... Um, a number of cases that have been settled before. Um, you know what we know through multiple um, investigations is that Juul um, targeted young people um, through their advertising. Uh, had many social media influencers working for them. Uh, young people. They hosted parties in cities all around the country uh that invited young um kind of cool people to come to the party to make jewel popular with young people um you can look at all their ads that they ran during that time with sort of young energetic people recruiting young people to this product they even um in some of the uh, findings that have come out, uh, advertised, um, digital ads on, uh, cartoon young people's programs. I mean, kids programs, uh, they tried to, uh, uh, create programs for underprivileged kids in, I believe it was Baltimore and camp programs. Um, so this was not just an isolated event here or there. It was a concerted effort to recruit, a new generation of young people to nicotine. They were very successful, unfortunately, in that effort. They ignited what became an absolute explosion of youth e-cigarette use. Um, And now, of course, because of their success, many, many, many other brands have entered the market. And we continue to have a youth uh, nicotine e-cigarette crisis. We have Uh, almost 15% of high school kids who vape, uh, 46% of the kids who vape are doing it regularly, which means they're really addicted. Um, So 20 or more times a month. What we've also seen since Juul ignited this, is that these products have become more and more addictive. What Juul did is introduced an innovation using these nicotine salts, which um, make uh, uh, the, the nicotine much easier to inhale. So um, it's not irritating. Um, you can use a lot more of it. And now these products have more and more nicotine. Of course, they come in and Juul was responsible for this too. They launched all these flavored products um, and that has expanded as well. Um, And the other thing that we have now is disposable vapes. So uh, Juul was a pod system. You had to, you you bought a device and then you'd plug in new pods as you use them. But now we have disposable ones, which are incredibly inexpensive. They can be loaded up with a lot of nicotine. So what happens is, you know, with a cigarette, um, when you smoke a cigarette, it's a dose, Mm -hmm. right? And you know how much you're going to use and, you know, maybe you smoke a cigarette and you don't do another one for hours later. And especially for kids, they live at home, they go to school, they can't smoke a cigarette in those places. But with these vapes, especially the disposable high nicotine flavored ones, you can use it sort of as much as you want, wherever you want. Whenever you want. So, what we see is young people getting addicted really, really quickly. Well, Robin, thank you for uh, all of that
2: uh, detailed information, disturbing uh, as it is to hear. But you and the Truth Initiative are very familiar uh, with the kinds of legal settlements that uh, Mark was referencing as they initially funded your work. And I'd like you to uh, comment on what can and should states do with these e-cigarette funds that they will have uh, to help make a big impact on young people, uh, certainly uh, to try and keep them from starting and also to help people stop. We uh, have a lot of uh, instances in the past of the settlement money going to things that really were not related uh, to public health or to the to the issue of concern. So what can the states do? What should they do?
1: Well, um, what was great about these new settlements is they, uh, most of them, and this new one certainly um, they are very specific that the funds need to be used for youth um, tobacco use abatement, um, which was one of, uh, I would agree with you, one of the flaws of the master settlement. The great thing about the master settlement agreement is it created our organization, originally known as the American Legacy Foundation, now Truth Initiative. But a lot of the money went to and still goes because the states do get money in perpetuity, we don't, our funds ended uh, a long time ago in 2006, but the states still get money every year, last year I think was about $8 billion, but unfortunately that money gets used for all sorts of other things, um, building roads, other state budgetary uses, um, and do not go into, Uh, tobacco prevention or cessation measures. So the great thing about this settlement is they are specified for that. And there are a few things, um, and I know this based on the work that we do and what we know is effective, youth public education programs like the Truth Campaign um, have been proven effective um, in preventing young people from starting to vape. Uh, Our most recent um, evaluation shows that uh, our campaign is preventing millions of young people from starting to vape, as well as helping them to make the decision to quit. So public education programs like the Truth Campaign are very important. Also, as I said, we have a lot of young people, 15 percent of high school students who are vaping, they want to quit. We know that 60% of them want to quit. They don't realize what they're getting into. They don't realize how quickly they will become addicted, and they don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a program, for example, called This is Quitting, which is a text-based program. Kids do it on their phone, which is, of course, where they live. Um, It's for... um, teenagers and and young adults. um, And, you know, we segment you based on how old you are when you come into the program. Um, Since that program was launched, over 560,000 young people have enrolled. And by the way, the rate is not slowing down. We have a lot of young people who want to quit. So this money should be used to help those people as well. Um, And finally, to get down into the community level, right? Um, School curriculums work. Uh, We have a curriculum called Vaping Know the Truth that's in over 6,000 schools, 600,000 kids have been through it, and we know from research evaluating the program that pre-post, being part of this, using this curriculum, which is digital also, um, that young people's knowledge and attitudes about vaping are shifted. Um, and also uh, their understanding of where to go to get help. For instance, this is quitting if they need it. Um, so I think those are the three most important things um, that need to be done with this money. And I have a lot of confidence that the states will do it. For instance, we already work with New York State, and I think connect, we're about to work with Connecticut on vaping uh, on this is quitting. So um, the states know what they need to do, and now they have... Uh, hard-won funds to do that.
0: Well, I think it needs to be said one more time that your own research shows that when young people, 15 to 24-year-old, are aware of your campaign, it lowers the likelihood that they'll vape. I'm wondering if you could just take us through some of the campaign tools that you use. And I was also fascinated as you walked through in your first answer, sort of the size and scope of what Juul has at its command in terms of the resources it puts in it uh, into the work. But tell us a little bit about your campaign as well. Sure, sure. So the Truth
1: campaign has been in existence since 2000. Um, it's been proven incredibly effective. Uh, the underpinning of the campaign from the beginning through today, although there have been many, many iterations mm-hmm. of it, um, is really founded on the idea of telling young people the truth about tobacco used to be cigarettes now it's vaping um giving them the facts um, and engaging them in a way that you know isn't finger pointings doesn't sound like mm-hmm. your teacher or your parents uh, but really in a peer-to-peer voice um, and kind of trusting young people that if you give them the facts and you do it in a way that feels engaging with them, um, a, they will hear you. And B, today, what's so important, so much of what we do is through social channels, um, and digital channels, is they will share the message themselves with their peers. Um, and we love that. So the work that we're doing right now, um, you know, about, uh, I guess, two years ago when we started thinking about this, you um, re- realized that, you know, the pandemic, everything that was going on in the country um, was creating a mental health crisis among um, not just young people, but widely, but of course, a lot of it with young people. Um, And that we know from research that um, nicotine actually makes, uh, can amplify depression, anxiety, makes stress feel worse. And here's the funny thing, or I should say the sad thing, is the tobacco industry through years of marketing has, put disinformation out there that makes young people believe that vaping, the use of nicotine, will actually help alleviate their stress, um, which is in fact the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. So we began a campaign um, in October of 21, called It's Messing With Our Heads, um, which is really helping young people to understand the very thing you might be using to help you cope in this very complicated world that they are in um, is actually making it worse. Um, the first thing we did is we launched um, a fake vape company and we called it depression stick, uh, much like a cigarette, you know, is known in common uh, slang as a, a cancer stick. Um, the, the the reality is a vape is literally a depression stick. So we launched this fake company um, to get attention and to call a vape exactly what it is. Um, We've continued that effort um, with something we now call breath of stress air, because, again, we believe in telling the truth and calling it like it is. And every time you take a hit off a vape, you are literally getting a breath of stress air. It's been very, very successful. Um, We also use a lot of influencers um, because it's not just what we say, (laughs) but we like to take um, advantage of the fact that there are a lot of young people out there who want to share their stories um, and use their channels to talk to their peers. So, for instance, we just did an effort with a young woman. Her name is McCall Mirabella. Uh, We found her because she actually organically, we didn't even know who she was, decided to record her quit vaping story. She came to the attention of I think it was Good Morning America. They put her on their show. She has millions of followers. And we connected with her and said, hey, would you like to do something with us? Would you like to help others quit? And it's been an incredibly successful effort. We're doing things with other influencers now. We're just about to launch one with a gentleman named Eli Stone. Um, So, you know, we, of course, want to be in the culture. Uh, The other thing that we do is we really believe in telling the stories of young people who are quitting. So we have a series of um, real-life testimonials of young people who are going through the This is Quitting process. They sign up for the program. We record their journeys. Um, They share that with other people to show that yes, it's hard to quit vaping. No, I'm not gonna kid around on that, uh, but you can do it and you, you seek help both in terms of a program that we know is effective. We know that this is quitting increases um, your odds of being able to quit by 40% versus the control that's from a randomized clinical trial. Um, so if you commit to it um, and you use tools at help Your odds of success will go up and you can use the experience of other people to feel not so alone in the process.
0: You know, you're a strategic thinker. And I'm wondering, as you look at the either having dollars or knowing culture, as you think about your campaign, what's more important for you? Uh, Because you were really relating to you. You're relating to young people and that campaign's important. And it sounds like you're using social media a lot but how, how important is the financing for the work that you do as well?
1: Well, I'd like to tell you social media is free. It isn't <laughs> <laughs> everything. Uh, our, you know, our friends at uh, the various social media channels, um, you know, from TikTok to Snapchat have figured out how to monetize their platform. Yeah. So um, when I say social media, I don't necessarily mean free social media, but, uh, <laughs> But I think the most important thing, I mean, obviously, we need money to support the things we do. Um, big public education campaigns, no matter what platform they're, they are on, are very expensive. Um, fortunately, you know, the funding that we've received from the MSA uh, allows us to has allowed us to do that for a very long time. Of course, we hope that will continue. Uh, but I think more importantly is knowing how to shift culture. Um, mm-hmm. What we like to say we are doing, so the messages and the way we craft those messages um, and being close to the ground with young people and listening to them, which we do every single day, is really important. What we like to say we're trying to do really is you know, two big jobs. On the one hand, we want to denormalize vaping in culture, make it feel not so like everybody's doing it. Um, and the other thing is to normalize quitting, because if you don't see people around you trying to quit, if you don't know how to do it, if you don't um, understand that you can be successful, then it's very hard. So denormalize vaping, normalize quitting. That's what we're trying to do in culture.
2: Great. Well, it's incredible the way you've engaged uh, Young people, I have to say, I'm really curious uh, whether you've mobilized them to go to Washington and testify uh, before Congress, and maybe you could tell us about that in a minute too. But but first, I wanted uh, to ask you about uh, your new report that showed uh, that tobacco imagery continues to influence youth vaping initiation through the on-screen entertainment that our our young people. Uh, find the most popular. How are you working to combat this problem? Do you have any new tools or legislative tools at your disposal? Tell us about that. Uh, also love to hear whether your young people have testified
1: before Congress. I, I, I will get to that. Um, okay. So we have for um five years now, we've just published our fifth report um taken on this issue of tobacco imagery on screens. Um you know at one point it was all about uh, tobacco in the movies, uh, because in the olden days of, you know, network television, uh, there was a, a prohibition of, I mean, the networks respected it, of not showing smoking on TV. With, in the age of streaming, obviously, all that has changed. So we have been publishing a report for five years. We call it While You Were Streaming. We do a new edition every year that really brings to light and what has become very pervasive when you think about the explosion of streaming media and all the platforms that are available now, the portrayal of tobacco imagery in the many, many programs, um, you know, across Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. And we go on and on and talk about all the platforms that are available to young people. Um, And it's very, very important. And we want the creative community to understand this and to understand that they play a role in, in peer-reviewed research, we know that on-screen exposure to tobacco imagery makes young people three times more likely to start vaping. It makes sense if the people you admire, if the shows that make you laugh or make you cry or that you're talking about continuously normalize the use of tobacco, it's going to look normal to you, even if way fewer people in the culture are actually doing it. Um, and, uh you know it's it's pretty pervasive for instance in this year's report we found that 60 percent of the 15 top shows that young people were watching across multiple platforms contain tobacco imagery um we also see it it's it, it, when you look at, at the movies um seven of um of this year's 10 nominated for Best Picture Award shows had smoking imagery in them. There was one that was even PG rated, um, if you can believe that. Um, And, you know, a lot of this imagery um, is in shows, as I said, the top shows for young people and shown in ways that is very appealing to young people. So a number of these shows um, are animated, things like, you know, The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers and other shows like that, which are very appealing to young people, or even if it's not an animated show, one of the worst offenders over the years, although I will say um, Netflix did a little bit better this year, mostly because they didn't have a new a new season of Stranger Things. But Stranger Things, one of the most popular shows with young people and has been one of the worst offenders over the year. Rob,
2: the, Robert, the other can thing I ask, know- can oh, I ask you Can I ask you, is industry paying for placement of the products in these shows?
1: we don't know we have no um knowledge of that so i don't want to insinuate that okay. they are um and um perhaps not i mean you know we've we've all often said like you know um don't be an unpaid spokesperson and in fact what a lot of the um uh on-screen talent as well as the all the creative people you know behind these shows and of course the platforms that put them out there is um, you are, if you are not being compensated, and let's assume they're not by the tobacco industry, you are literally becoming an unpaid spokesperson for this industry, which is, I mean, just as bad. And and what I think we, we hope to enroll the creative community with us. Um, you know, one of the things we like to make very, very clear, um, this isn't, you know, about prohibition or censorship. And, you know, be- we believe in the freedom of artistic expression, but I think the question we would ask the creative community is, you know, isn't there a more creative way to show, oh, here's a person who's, um, uh, you know, thinking really hard. So we show them, you know, smoking a cigarette, or here's a person we wanna show that they're a little rebellious. So Mm -hmm. we show them vaping. I mean, there are many more creative ways to do that. And we hope that if the creative community understands that these images, I mean, they are literally the people who are creating culture. If they understand that these images have power, and we think they know that they do, um, that they, you know, um, have an opportunity to help prevent another generation of young people from spending a life addicted to nicotine.
0: Robin, we've, we've talked so far a lot about advertising. Your background is in that industry. In fact, the American Marketing Association named Truth is the most effective brand of the year. Congratulations. Uh, But we have a lot of challenges in public health. I I don't want to take you out of your lane, but I I, I need to get your thoughts about how well places like the CDC did in addressing the issues around COVID. You obviously were in the same world that all of us were, and you have that unique uh, perspective in terms of marketing. Uh, How can they improve their messaging uh, at this time, which is so critical, particularly given the misinformation that's out there uh, in in the uh, in the public health arena.
1: Well, um, that is a little out of my lane, but you know, I will say as it, it pertains to you know what the CDC is doing in the tobacco space and the FDA too, um, there's some you know good things and and some areas where we need, We need help, Um, you know, CDC runs a a pretty effective effort called tips for former smokers um, that is all about helping um, adults to quit smoking. Um, And, you know, through the years, uh, they have helped a lot of um, adult smokers find their ways to quitting. Uh, But that's an effort that is always at risk of being defunded. Um, And so, you know, I think it is important. We know that public education works. We we know it works for young people. We know it works for adults. Um, And perhaps I would say, you know, thinking about, you know, your question about just um, public health issues in general. It is important to tell that story compellingly to the public. So that they have the facts um, you know certainly in tobacco we're going up against an industry that spends billions a year um, and all of us in public health including these government campaigns are a drop in the bucket compared to the messages of others so that's really important and the other thing that i would say is you know we are looking for the fda who has authority over the regulation of tobacco Um, To there's a lot of important things on their plate that we are really hoping that, um, you know, they can move this year. For instance, right now, we're waiting for them to issue a final rule to take menthol cigarettes off the market. That is one of the most important things we can do to save people's lives. Um, We know that menthol cigarettes make it easier to start smoking, um, easier to, you know, get the bad stuff down. Um, we know that um, menthol is in this country, a social justice issue, nine out of 10 um, black people who smoke, smoke menthols. That's not an accident. It's because the tobacco industry aggressively has marketed that to that community over decades. Um, so that's something we really need the FDA to do. Um, They have promised to get a rule out this year. Uh, We, you know, are um, want to hold their feet to the fire for that. Uh, Another thing, you know, we're really, really um, uh, pressuring FDA along with all of our partners in this space to do is we need to get rid of all of these flavors, Mm -hmm. not just menthol um, in cigarettes. We need to get rid of all of these flavors in vape products. There is um, no strong evidence that... Flavored vapes help adults to quit. On the other hand, we know that 80% of kids who vape vape flavors, um, and it's not just menthol. Of course, it's flavors like you know, Candy Crush and Rainbow Ice, um, and a lot of these flavors don't even sound like flavors. So they, they're these concept flavors. So yes, a flavor like Rainbow um, Rainbow Breeze. Um, it's a way of getting around rules of calling something menthol or mint or things that the FDA might not allow. Um, <clears throat> but signaling, hey, this has a, a good taste and it's cooling too. So um, there's a lot of things we're looking for FDA to do um, to speed along the um, PMTA process, which is the process. It's a pre it's supposed to be a pre-market approval process. So every e-cigarette, On the market is supposed to go through a pre-market approval process before they can put their product on the shelves um, because of a lot of complications which we don't have time to talk about today that has not been the case the number one product on the market right now views alto which is a a product from rj reynolds is illegally on the market it has over i believe a 30 percent market share because it has not received FDA pre-market approval yet. So, yes, um, we have a lot of confidence in the FDA. They have a great new leader um, in the tobacco center named Brian King. Um, We think he's on the right path, but he has a big job ahead of him.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you, Robin uh, Koval, for your many years of service and your leadership on these important public health fronts. And thanks to our audience for joining us as well. There are more online about conversations on healthcare, including a way to sign up for our email updates. Our address is chcradio.com. Robin, thank you again for joining us today.
2: That was spectacular. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.